Hello, I'm Dennis Nunn. I want to welcome you to the third in our series of special Christmas podcast this year. We've been looking in Matthew chapter 2 about the visit of the Magi after Jesus was born and looking at things that we should do at Christmas. Uh, we've read the passage each time, but let's do it again. It's good to read the Word. And if you have your Bible, if you're a place where you're watching this, I encourage you to get your scriptures, your copy of the Bible. If you're listening to this, riding down the road or something, when you get home, I encourage you to, to read this as well. So in Matthew chapter 2, you remember it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And they quote Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, uh, Go and make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. And of course, we know that's not what he wanted to do. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. So they had moved from his birth in a stable, sometimes past, we don't know how much time. They're in a house. Um, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. As we've looked at this in our last two podcasts, we saw the first thing, we should do at Christmas, and that is worship. Verse 2 says, hey, that's why we came here. And, and verse 10 when they, and 11, when they actually came to Jesus, they bowed down and they worshiped. And then we talked about the other thing we should do is rejoice. When they got to where Jesus was, they were overjoyed. They were exceedingly full of joy. And we looked at all the reasons for joy, but especially our salvation. Today, we come to the third thing we should do at Christmas, and that is give. Notice verse 11. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, and, and these gifts, by the way, I heard, I heard a preacher talking about it, how they speak of various aspects of Jesus' ministry. They gave gold because that's what you would give to a king. And it, Jesus is king of the Jews and he's king of the world, and one day he's going to be ruling in power over this earth. And then they gave him incense or frankincense. And you remember, incense was what was burned in the temple, the tabernacle in the temple. Speaks of Jesus' role as our, as our high priest, our mediator. And then myrrh, when Joseph of Arimathea got Jesus' body from the cross, you remember, he, he covered him, he anointed him, his body with myrrh, because that speaks of Jesus as our Redeemer. 
He's died on the cross. So these speak of various aspects uh, of Jesus' ministry. But notice also they open their treasures. So these are rich men or they're people that have a lot and they gave gifts, but notice they did not give gifts to one another. That's our habit at Christmas and we say it comes from this, but notice they gave gifts to Jesus. And Christmas, I maintain, should be a time of special giving to the Lord. Uh, all year round, we're supposed to be good stewards, good managers of what he's given us. It all belongs to him. Uh, and, and we should be good givers. Um, a common expression is the tithe or 10%. Um, grace giving goes beyond a tithe, I believe, that we ought to do as, as regular giving. But then above our regular giving, God speaks to us about making special gifts. And sometimes these special gifts will be like like these magis, they may be very extravagant. In uh, Matthew 26, Mary Bethany anointed Jesus' head with perfume. Very expensive, it says. Very expensive. It was an extravagant gift. It was so extravagant, you may remember that uh, some of the disciples were upset about that. And then sometimes we're motivated to give extremely. In other words, really giving and giving and giving. Uh, it's recorded in Mark 12 where this widow put in all that she had. It wasn't a lot. It was just two mites, it says, or the widow's mite. Uh, just hardly anything. All these other folks had given because they had a lot. She gave all she had to live on. I've often thought if I saw some widow giving all that she had to live on. I'd say, whoa, stop, stop. You can't do this. You've got to have money to live on. But Jesus didn't do that. And I think it's, Jesus didn't do that because Jesus knows the pull, the lure that money has on our lives. Um, he said it this way in Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he's not just talking in the context about any kind of master. Notice what he says. You cannot serve both God and money. God can be a master or money can be your master. And Jesus said this. He knew the powerful lure of money and that relates to our giving. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about giving, and he also wrote it in relation to what Jesus gave to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 through 9, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Notice what it says. Paul's writing to the Corinthian believers. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So he uses the, the example for us of Jesus, who was infinitely rich, abandoned all that, became poor, so we might be rich 
in him. He talks, he says, notice, I want, I want to test the sincerity of your love. Uh, but before he exhorts them about giving money, I want you to notice what he said in the first part of chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonia churches. So he said, hey, over here, I want you to notice what this church did, these churches did. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, hmm, and their extreme poverty. So they're joyful, although they're poor, extremely poor, welled up into rich generosity. Uh, you don't have to be, my pastor Johnny Hutton used to say, you don't have to, to, uh, to be rich to be generous. You have to be generous to be generous. And they gave generously. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, notice, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. Do you know the very first thing God wants you to give? He wants you to give yourself. He wants you to give yourself. That's really the key to the other things we've been talking about. We can't really worship without giving ourselves to Him. We're not going to have joy in our lives without giving ourselves to Him. Paul wrote to the Romans, he said it this way, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So he says it's really worship to Give our bodies. Um, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says, giving will show the sincerity of your love. You know, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. But it all starts with giving yourself to the Lord. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you given yourself to the Lord? I so often think back to I grew up in church most of the things that I say now when I teach, many of the, of the facts, I knew the facts, and I knew about Jesus. Um, but then I began to question, and in my 20s, I became an agnostic, and uh, I began to ask God, show me if you're real, and he did. And I realized what I was missing my life was Jesus. And I wasn't ready, though, to give myself to him. So I'd go to church, and at the end of the service, there'd be an appeal for a public response, and I would go and I would kneel and say, oh God, oh God, I want to be saved today. But the fact is, I didn't want to be saved. I didn't want to go to hell. That's what I didn't want to do. Who in their right mind wants to go to hell? So I didn't want to go to hell, but I wanted to keep running my life. And then finally, that Wednesday afternoon, right down the highway, when I couldn't take it any longer, and I gave myself to the Lord. Jesus, my life's a wreck. Come in and forgive me and take over, and he did. Uh, have you done that? Uh, in our ministry of Every Believer Witness, we've been doing it now for, we're in our 16th year, and we go to church after church after church, and we see deacons and Sunday school teachers and faithful workers and wonderful people who have been in church all their life, 
but they've never given it himself. They maybe prayed a prayer. They made a decision, but they've never surrendered their life to Jesus as Lord. Have you done that? Have you given yourself to him? Um, you know, that's what God wants to happen this Christmas. He wants you to give. He wants you to give yourself to him. And actually, it's not only salvation. And if you haven't done it, I plead with you. I'm, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will convict you. And you'll want the reality of Jesus in the life. You'll have a new joy you never had. I'll tell you that. You'll worship. I remember my first Christmas after Jesus came in. It was different. But Paul, you may remember, told the Romans, present their bodies a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual act of worship. And here's the problem with living sacrifices. They want to crawl off the altar. Uh, in the Old Testament, they killed an animal and they put him on the altar to sacrifice him. The problem with a living sacrifice is we can get on the altar, we can truly give ourselves to the Lord, but then we can crawl off the altar. Um, probably, untold number, at any given moment of believers, certainly been true in my life at times, we've been truly born again, but we're not walking in surrender. Remember what Jesus said? If anybody's going to follow me, they have to deny themselves. That's, I'm not going to do what I want. He's going to be Lord. And take up their cross, how often? Daily. See, it's a daily giving of ourselves to the Lord. Have you done that? Are you doing that? Where are you today? You're a child of God, perhaps, hopefully. But are you walking with him as Lord today? For several years, I was chaplain with the Paulding County Sheriff's Office in Georgia. And I remember the very first deputy that I ever counseled. Uh, he came to our home. Uh, he was a captain. And uh, he was miserable. Uh, his supervisor was very, very concerned about him because he was depressed. He was thinking about quitting his job after many years. Uh, and and he's, a, he's a valuable employee. And he's got a, a you know, he really has an impact but he's just in utter, utter depression and defeat. And as we begin to talk, uh, I began to talk to Robert, inquire about his spiritual life. And I found out that he was actually, had, had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. He was born again. But he was walking, as my pastor Johnny Hunt at the time used to say, a guilty distance. And although his, he was a child of God, he wasn't walking like a child of God. He was doing his own thing and he was miserable. And I explained to Robert, Robert, you're never going to have joy and you're never going to be able to really enjoy life as a follower of Jesus and overcome this until you surrender afresh and anew. And he did that that day. His life's been different ever since. But you know something? It's not just a one-time rededication. It's a daily surrender. Are you walking with the Lord today? Today, have you given yourself to him Remember, it's an everyday thing. I pray this Christmas is going to be a wonderful, wonderful Christmas for you. It's going to be a Christmas season that you'll worship, that you'll rejoice, and that you'll give. God bless you.